Welcome, everyone, to the Enter the Vortex podcast with Carol and Erin, where we share our experiences and opinions on the metaphysical and physical aspects of life as we know it. Hello, hello. Hi. <laughs> what is up on Erin's side of the world? Whoa. Like she's that far from me. <laughs> what was that? Like she's that far from me. Oh. <laughs> 20 minute yeah. drive, you guys. <laughs> across the city that's it well not even it's across the lake or the river the river yeah it feels like that though like when I was a kid like if you crossed the river that felt like you know you were going on a journey <laughs> over the river and through the forest over the hills we go yeah <laughs> yeah no it's it's been a day um I keep thinking that today is Wednesday but it's not it's Thursday mm-hmm. as of recording of this Mm-hmm. And like this week has been so weird for time. And I don't know if it's still because I'm in like some weird, like, I don't know, um, like New oh, Year's Eve. The vortex? Time. Yeah. Yeah. In the vortex. That's what I'm doing. Um, or like what the heck it is, but it's like, it's a weird time frame. And it was, I was working my muggle job today. So it was a little hectic over there. Smooth. It was really surprisingly smooth considering the fact that we had like six clients um, like four virtuals and two, um, in-persons and it was smooth. Like I, I usually I'll have hiccups today. Nothing. It was weird. I'm like, it does seem we- like a twilight zone kind of thing. I'm like, am I going to end the day with a, like not having to rush to get my shit done? Yeah. We ended the day with not having to rush to get our shit done. I was like, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. I feel the same about this week. Like it's Thursday already, but in my brain, my brain doesn't really haven't like really registered. Oh. Like, and I was, it's kind of funny because I remember having a thought on Monday. Wow. I wish it was kind of the weekend already, but then mm-hmm. I'm like, why? I have no reason for it to need to be the weekend. I'm not working a nine to five job anymore, thankfully. Yeah. But it just feels like I kind of, I don't think I, it's not that I wasted Tuesday, Wednesday, but I just kind of lost Tuesday, Wednesday. Like I have no, no concept of time. I just went with the flow of things. Like, and I really think that is what life should be like and what it should look like, you know, I'm bit, but I mean, and there's always appointments and whatnot, but um, I don't know. I played outside a little bit. I did a bunch of shoveling and cause it's keeps throwing snow our way. And then <laughs> like, there's more coming this weekend. No. Like, <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> oh Yeah. It always does this. Every time I have to work, it always snows or it's freezing rain. I don't know. The universe just says, hey, quit your job already. All right. Right? Yeah. Universe, what would it take to match the income of the jobs that we don't want to be in anymore so that we can move forward? That would be nice. I'm I'm manifesting. That's my yearly goal. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I actually... Oh, so random awareness like I don't know probably last week mm-hmm. um I came to the realization because we were we were doing like practice pods for our um decodes program yep. um and uh like I always pride myself or like felt like I was clearing things pretty like pretty well like something comes up and I'm able to like get it and then like you know track it clear done well apparently I don't know my body well <laughs> at all <laughs> because, you know, so I've been having, I've told you before, I've been having that like sweetness on my teeth oh, yeah. kind of situation. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I was working with one of, um, our, um, one of our cohorts or our peers in this program. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mentioned it to her and she was like, okay, cool. And so we were like tracking it, trying to figure out like, where does it come from? Mm-hmm. And then our mentor came in. And she's like, oh, interesting. And she's like, so I'm seeing this like energetic collar that I know I've placed on myself and it's holding my head up. And the, I wouldn't say the expectation or like, I guess the energetics behind it is that I'm bearing too much on my shoulders and it's to help me stay strong, like straight and strong. And I'm like, interesting. oh, and she's like, you're the reason your teeth are hurting is because I'm not listening to the small sim- like signals. So they've built up and up and up because it only works with chocolate, right? 
And so she's like, how would you feel if you could never eat chocolate again? And I would be, and I said to her, I was like, I would be very sad. Like I would be heartbroken. What am I going to do if I can't eat chocolate? Mm -hmm. And I've noticed that it's now starting to morph from just chocolate to like certain time, like certain textures. Like if I eat something that's like, not that it's hard, but if I eat something and I bite something that has hard to it, like a chip or mm-hmm. something like that, and it's got a little bit of hardness and it hits a certain point in my tooth, it's like instant pain. It's like you've stubbed your toe. I'm yeah. like, you've hit the nerve. Right. And I'm like, yeah. it's getting worse. And I like, I just had this awareness last week and I haven't obviously haven't had time to sit down and fully track it, but I I'm aware of it now. And I'm like, okay, so what can we do right now to clear this or to get, you know, remove a layer or whatever. And I'm like, so apparently I don't listen to my body and I've been bypassing my healing for a little while. (laughs) That's interesting how the body speaks. Hey. And before I go into that tangent a little bit, um, as you were describing the collar, did you get it? I don't know if you got a visual of it, but I got an interesting visual of it and it's very regal. Um, and it looks like, you know, where you have like the rope edging on the edge of a um, curtain or on the edge of a, a chair, like in like beautiful tapestry and upholstery, like that twisty turny, it kind of looked like that. And then I got a flash of an amulet right in the front, Whoa. like kind of what's it in, in the throat chakra area. So I'm amazing. wondering like, if you've created this for yourself, you can probably tap into and truth test whether or not what I'm seeing is accurate. And then what is the value in that aspect? And like, if there's an amulet there, mm-hmm. um, like when my Pleiadian aspect presents to her, to me, she wears an amulet on, above the third eye area. And then like the crown of it kind of is like an angle, almost looks like Avalon style. Like when you think of Avalon and you see the imagery of what's, what's out there in the regular, in the, in the interwebs, that's kind of the imagery that you get. So I've been, I, I never really tapped into, but it's like, what would be the value in the purpose of having an amulet over the third eye or an amulet over the throat chakra area? Like, mm-hmm. is it quieting your voice or is it amplifying it? And is this useful or is this harmful? And those are things that you can definitely tap into and check in with a session, which I think makes this so interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, when things go awry or when you're not using it to its value and its purpose, because I know that our mentor has said that like you and I have a contract, but we're misreading it. We haven't tracked that yet. So we should do that one day. I haven't. But, but if you notice our dynamic has shifted. That is true. So even yeah. sometimes just bringing the awareness to this is something that needs to be addressed is enough to address the issue. Mm-hmm. But when it is something that continues to repeat, that continues to flash or gets amplified, like for me, like the way the body holds on to energy and emotion and pain, like they all go hand in hand. And I feel like humans are so used to numbing things out and dumbing things down for themselves that they don't realize that it's going to take your body a scream before you pay attention but it doesn't have to be that way. So what is it going to take for us to tune in even deeper to our bodies and to have a deeper awareness of what's going on? Like, I think it would be kind of cool to have an an awareness of what's happening internally, but then I have to get over the fear of like that death fear, I guess, of like, well, if I know something bad, like I I default to the worst case scenario. Thank you, Dr. Google, you know, because that's just how humans react. Like, if I have a pain underneath my rib cage, like I'm, I'm thinking the absolute worst when it's like, okay, well, dude, you have the tools, like, let's track this. <laughs> like uh, two years ago, I didn't have the tools. And obviously if there's like a, a genuine medical issue going on, like allopathic medicine has its place for emergencies, puncture wounds, like broken bones, like all of those kinds of things that the human body needs immediately. But when something is chronic or when it's like a dull pain, that's where we can kind of work with allopathic medicine but I feel like they're almost not necessarily open to that yet like I still think that there's a big brick wall there Mm -hmm. Um, but it would be really cool to be able to work with that knowing although we are learning some of that at a deeper level now with level two of the decodes which is really really cool like I'm totally geeking out over the anatomy right now not gonna lie I never thought I would say that because I took biology in in, uh, university and I was like what am I doing here But I mean, biology is not quite the same as anatomy, but some of that information is coming back and it's making me so deeply fascinated with what's going on in my own human body. But then again, there's a little bit of that fear factor, which is fine. It's just because I know that I haven't been paying attention either to my body's signals and it's time. It's go time. Like I'm 40. I don't look 40. I don't act 40. So why does my body feel 40? Let's turn it back to 20, please. (laughs) 
Yeah, you're like that. That um, was it. That meme of like this man walks up and walks up to the woman and is like, "Oh, how old are you?" And she's like, "I don't know. I guess he was hitting on her or whatever." And she's oh. like, oh, "I'm some like 400 year old bog witch or something like that <laughs> who sacrifices men for whatever." Yes. And then there's like an old lady a couple of aisles down who laughs. Like, yeah. You know, and then, then the girl's like, "I think we're makes this a coven now." <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've seen that meme. That's I'm great. like, I love that. That's amazing. Yeah. But I mean, it is, it's really fascinating because, you know, like I've been kind of struggling with this issue with my teeth for probably two years now. It's specific, it's sensitivity only to chocolate, or at least it was only to chocolate. Now it seems to be like, Hey, you are aware of this. You're not fixing it. Let's amp this up. (laughs) Um, which like, thanks body. I appreciate it. I just don't have time for this right now. (laughs) Yeah. But it's interesting because I think I also um, was telling you too, that I've noticed a little bit of like hoarseness in my voice Mm -hmm. that like not related to the, you know, lovely Rona (laughs) pony out there in the world. Um, Because it's, I think it started around the same amount, like around the same time. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, there's probably something going on with the thyroid because it can, when the thyroid gets whacked, uh, whacked out, (laughs) when the thyroid gets a little out of whack, um, it can affect like the hoarseness. And I think it's, I can't remember if it's hypo or hyperactive that when it affects the horse, like the voice box itself and creates more of a hoarse voice, but I'm like, interesting. Um, and I've, I've talked to a couple of other people like decoders with us, um, about this kind of issue. And they're like, huh, interesting. The, with the tooth meridian chart, which you can easily pull up on Google for anyone else. It's really fascinating. It's so cool. So your teeth, it's kind of like reflexology, right? Where your, your teeth can, um, what's the word? They, yeah, they, they, um, you literally just said it and then it flew out of my hand again. (laughs) They represent certain areas of the body, just like on your feet. Yes. Um, like the middle of the foot is your intestines. And which is ironic because I remember I was saying that it took me three yoga classes this month and the tightness in the ball, ball of my foot has loosened finally. Well, that's related to digestion. And I definitely mm-hmm. noticed a difference in my digestion once I loosened the bottom, the ball of my foot area. And there are certain teeth that are also associated with digestion. And, and just a side note, I find it interesting that I do believe that it is the wisdom teeth in particular that are related to your small intestine and your heart space. And yet we remove them. That is really interesting. Um, I mean, for me, it was because I literally had no more space in my mouth. (laughs) They actually took out six teeth when they removed my wisdom teeth. I also lost two more on the top row. Um, Yeah. I had a wicked overbite. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's insane. But like for my teeth, it's interesting because they tend to point towards the pancreas and the thyroid and the kidneys. And I'm like, ah fascinating so what am I not like what am I either filtering too much or what am I pushing into my kidneys to filter Mm -hmm. um and then with the end the whole endocrine system with the thyroid and the pancreas and there's a few other like obviously um organs and systems that kind of go with that the endocrine stuff but just like how are my hormones hmm now this probably goes into the fact that like my cycle is really really abnormal as well you know, like I, I know we've had discussions before where sometimes it's like 90 days and sometimes it's like a normal 28 to 32. So it's, it's really fascinating how the, all these body systems kind of talk to each other. And it's just like, now I'm seeing a pattern with how my teeth work. Oh, by the way, my teeth and the, the whole, like taking on too much and needing to hold my head up high or whatever it is that's going on with that also seems to be going on with this idea of like holding the world on my shoulders, which then correlates to that issue in my lower back, which had, I had a cord to my husband at, which was due to taking on everything. Hmm. Funny. Clearly my body has been telling me this for months and years and I have not listened. (laughs) Okay. So fun fact. Also the other teeth that they removed from me also affect the stomach area. So I've had six teeth removed total and four of them affect digestion. And isn't it interesting that I do have, that's something that I'm tracking that, and it's also ancestral. 
um, but there is digestive issues along the father line in my family. And we've traced it back pretty far um, back when dysentery was really like a commonplace thing, especially, I guess, like the pirates and the ships. And like, I mean, when you're in close quarters and you're trying to take over the world, like I get that. Yeah. Um, kind of hard to avoid it if the person that's sleeping in the same quarters as you also has the same thing. But mm-hmm. um, it's also a way that ancestrally we use to slow ourselves down and hold ourselves back. And then it's it's kind of cool how it manifested as when my teeth came in, we they obviously didn't come in straight. I did need braces. I wore braces for four years. And for them to make room for the movement that the braces required, they had to remove four teeth off the top and two off the bottom. Interesting. Actually, they may have taken... I can't remember now. They may have actually taken eight total. I'll have to, I'll have to research that. Hmm. But yeah, it's, it's, it's super, it was super fascinating to think about. And then like, we don't, we don't necessarily associate like Eastern medicine is honestly, even though it's more ancient, it's actually more advanced than Western because Western has left a whole lot of off the table mm-hmm. of what actually can help the body. And I wish that we would use the meridians more often because they do make sense. And it's an interesting way to ping information back and forth and realize like, wow, like if I've lost these teeth, I've also affected the nerve endings in that area. And so I've kind of become created a disconnect. Although I do believe, I still believe that the energy of them would still be there and I could probably tap in. I wonder, man, it would be really cool if we could like body talk ourselves back into not needing braces and get my teeth to shift naturally on their own. Because even though I had braces, I have teeth in the back that are too tight together and then teeth in the front that have too big of a gap. Like that's kind of annoying (laughs) and I really don't want to have to invest more money if I I mean aesthetically they look fine but like just like the little things like it'd be kind of cool to to get to that level of body talk with your own self that you can I mean I'm sure it's going to be about a year from now and we're going to be laughing at this podcast and being like actually now I fixed my teeth or something (laughs) but whatever (laughs) well I mean if you think about it too like um if you can like do adjustments of different bones you know even um craniosacral stuff yeah I'm sure there's a way that you can talk to your body about shifting the teeth into more of a natural natural alignment or I don't know straighter anyway mm-hmm. yes functional maybe a functional alignment not that they're not functional but mm-hmm. there are certain teeth that I cannot actually use floss properly on because I just can't get them in between because they're too they're too close together which is kind of the opposite effective what I was hoping for with the braces that we invested thousands of dollars and time and money into but whatever (laughs) whatever it's 20 years ago ish I don't know I think I was like 14 or 15 when I got them I don't remember a long time ago I think I blocked that part of my life out (laughs) braces are awful well that was that was when the walk-in was in too right or the OO oh yes yes Yes, maybe we could explain what that all means to our listeners that may not understand our language. So I'll tell you my little story of that. So my awareness of having a Pleiadian aspect of self is that it is not necessarily my actual source point, because I actually, by the way, I found some notes from our our year of learning through Healers Rising and whatnot, and I came across that I actually might have a deeper connection to the Essasani, which is like, yeah. Anyway, I was like, I have to track more into that because I can't remember if it was a note for me or if it was a note for something else in, in the video. But then my guides were like, oh no, you need to track that. I was like, okay, okay, cool. But anyway, so we have a source point which we incarnate through, send an avatar to earth. I have a Pleiadian aspect. I have an Antarfin that wants to work with me now. Let's step forward. I have, I have a really sassy salamander. That is one of my guides. He's funny AF and he's one of the non-hijacked reptilians. Um, he's like, yeah, we got a bad rap. We don't like it. I also have a demonic aspect of self, which is, he's like very entertaining to work with. I've um, called upon him a lot when I worked downtown to help kind of keep me shielded. And I didn't even realize I was calling upon him, but it was kind of like, yeah, dude, like, why do you think things didn't happen around you, but it happened around someone maybe 10 steps back or 10 steps forward. It was like, well, that's kind of cool. But then my soul was actually contracted by both of my family lines to come and shake shit up. Once I actually am more out there in the world with what I've gone through from childhood till now, it would make a lot of sense as to why. 
with the amount of Akashic clearing that I've had to do with my family lines on both sides. There's a lot of similarities as well um, of the patterns in the families and the struggles and the trauma and the abuse, like the abusive language and it's a lot of self-abuse, like a lot of negative self-talk as well that I realized like isn't even mine, but it, I still kind of played out in my head a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially my soul jumped in um, with, with a walk-in. Well, I mean, walk-ins are a hot topic. Um, so I had the original occupant, which is the one that was tied to my family lineage, like a true Akashic lineage, uh, soul connection. But then mm, I have another aspect of self that jumped in with that original occupant so that I, I could incarnate to come here and change things and make things better for the family line. So about a year ago, I had the original occupant step forward, finally explain kind of to the person that I was in session with what the intention was and what my mission was and we crossed over the original occupant so that they could go on to their healing path and I could continue forth forth with mine so I still have all the memories of the family obviously like I still have the the attachments and the relationships and all that but it gives a different awareness of it's like not having to take things so flip and personal anymore and feeling like I was the target but essentially the soul contract is that I was the scapegoat for the family. Any little thing could go wrong, Carol was to blame. And when you pile that up for years and years and years, it does cause a lot of internal trauma, especially in childhood and teenage years, it made it really challenging for me to feel seen or to feel heard or to feel wanted. Mm -hmm. Um, And there was a lot like, and I mean, and then add on the layer of being constantly bullied probably since, I think since kindergarten. Um, Essentially when I started school, it was not a very positive experience right from, from the beginning, unfortunately. I have some great memories of wonderful teachers, but there is not a single person that I went to school with that I wish to associate with because of the memories and the trauma and the nonsense that, was, that went on. And I wasn't perfect, I know that, but I was also a traumatized kid that didn't know any better at the time. Yeah. Now I know better. And yeah, sure, there's people that probably deserve an apology from me um, for the way that I behaved. But also if you're an adult, because we're all in our 40s now, and you're judging me based on how I acted like a small child, like, I think you need to give your head a shake and and maybe think about how you also behaved as a child, because we were products of our parents' environment, right? Mm -hmm. And I have a memory of going to school during the day on an empty stomach. I was not a breakfast person. I would be hungry usually by about 10, 30, 11 o'clock in the morning, come home for lunch, scarf down lunch, go back to school, be put through an immense amount of annoyance and trauma from the kids always picking on me because it wasn't just one kid there's there was multiple bullies in every single grade that I attended there was bullies on the playground that were in higher or lower grades that didn't want to be around me so I was the scapegoat for the neighborhood and then I would come home and there would be constant chaos in the house as well so I would go to school to leave leave the chaos to go to school but experience chaos at school come back home and neither side knew what was happening. So nobody really looked at the whole picture of, unless I was at the back of the classroom in the back of the, the schoolyard at recess or playing in my backyard alone, that was the only times that I really had where there wasn't chaos and arguments and just constant nonsense. And me being the youngest, you know, it was a really bitter pill to swallow that like the adults around me weren't supportive. And that's like, I'm the kid and I fucking know better. Like why, like to me, that was a really hard thing to understand as a small child. And then growing up through teenage years, you just kind of shut down and, or you rebel or both. And I just got loud and it's like, I'd rather, I became the interrogator and I would rather pick the fight because you're just going to assume that I'm going to be that anyway. So I may as well shut you down in the first place so that it doesn't have to escalate. And that kind of gives that impression of me being argumentative all the time and my family thinks that I'm argumentative all the time too but they don't take a look at how they've created that mm-hmm. response from me you know and accountability is definitely not our strong suit on any side like I think like I even struggle sometimes to to face my own things that I should take accountability for like there's a few places where I'm holding my stake in the sand of like you need to take that step first because I don't because I, I genuinely don't feel safe or comfortable admitting that I was also in the wrong until you make it safe for me because you I feel like that person may have started it so to speak or that I was targeted and not really necessarily considering that maybe they that other side of the story doesn't see it that way 
So there's definitely like a lot of forgiveness still to come, um, but I've been able to work through a fair amount of it. Um, and I feel like collectively I could probably do like the, the school forgiveness thing. Cause like, there's a, like, it's, I'm not the only one that had traumatizing school experience. Like you can't tell me that I was. And from the flip side of things, being a teacher, it's still playing out in classrooms today. Yeah. So, and it's like, and like I said, I'm 40. Like, so I was in school in the eighties. I was a small child in the eighties. And like, the, I would say the only thing that I can honestly say is different now in the school system compared to when I was a student was the way that they operate phys ed classes. Because in my school, when I was a kid and because I was quote unquote, the fat kid, there really wasn't any encouragement for me that wasn't also laced with public shaming about my body and my physical ability. The fact that I couldn't sit uh, down and reach, like, you know, when you had to do like the, the fitness test and you had to reach for your toes and push that bar and decide how far forward you can like push yourself. Well, okay, when you're a chubby kid and you have a belly in your way, it's no different than having a woman who's pregnant try to do the same thing with a belly in the way. It's not realistic. And of course you're doing it in front of a group of students and so they can see your ability and right away they know that you're not as capable as them. And it became a real, a real situation where even if I wanted to try, I wasn't necessarily encouraged by my teachers. And they've kind of gotten away from that a lot where it's like, if they're doing a fitness test, it's everybody doing it all at the same time so that you're not necessarily drawing attention on each child. And if you, this kid is not physically able to do something, they're gonna make accommodations for these kids now. They don't publicly shame you for your <laughs> lack of ability. And like, I mean, I, I can tell you, I've still witnessed teachers publicly shaming kids. I've been guilty of it too, depending on the behavior that I've seen happen in the classroom. But for me, it's more of a, hey, what you're doing is not cool. This does not fly in my classroom. It needs to end now. If that's a problem, then you can go walk outside and have a, uh, like, take a moment and then come back when you're ready but it's not in the same way as what I've witnessed other teachers who it just kind of makes me wonder like why are you in this profession if this is what's still going on and they're so blind to I think that it's become so like that's just was normal for them and they don't realize that they're actually causing trauma you know and I think that it's interesting how it was really only the phys ed programs that have faced how they've caused trauma for students in the past and you know, like they don't necessarily put it on the kids anymore to pick their teams because there's always the last pick. I was always, always last picked, always intentionally. So nobody wanted me on their team because I was the slowest and the fattest, which is fine. I get that. I didn't want to participate anyway with the jerks. So like, <laughs> I would be fine to sit out on the side, but then I was missing out. Right. And like, I didn't have a teacher come and encourage me and ask me what was going on or why I didn't want to participate or why I was shut down. Like it blows my mind, like to see what I walk through and then to see that happen again and not to realize and like and to realize how many layers of trauma that has added with each school year to the point where <laughs> it took until I would almost say grade well high school ish where I was being bullied by one student in particular and this was going on for three or four years but then I happened to much to my teacher's dismay um, place second place in um, whatever that field track and field stuff was and my gym teacher did not want to send me to divisionals he was not interested I was his least favorite student because I didn't participate in class but we had to do track and field and I happened to toss the shot put the second farthest out of everyone in my grade so by default I got a silver and I had to, got to go to divisionals. Well, he didn't want me to go to divisionals at all. I was training with this other person that I did not get along with and we constantly had issues. This is now year four of these issues with this particular person. And wouldn't you know it, she was the only other one that was going in shot put. So we were training together after school and I didn't even want to put in the extra time, but the teacher kind of was like, well, if you plan on going to divisionals, you have to put in the time. And like. I didn't care, but I was like, fine, I'll do it, whatever. It's like half an hour after school, like three times yeah. a week and whatnot. So we were practicing and this other student started sailing into me and I kind of just stood there and took it. I had no idea where this gym teacher was because we were just kind of in the gym after hours, right? So he, yeah. he could have been anywhere. And she sailed into me and I just, I verbally shut her down. I didn't touch her. I didn't cause any physical fights or anything like that, but I shut her down and this teacher came around the corner and he's like, wow, 
He's like, Carol, you're right. And I owe you an apology. I was like, yeah, because she starts things, but I finish it. And yeah. he said, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I didn't believe your side of the story, but because I was the bigger person, I was the louder person. I was known to be aggressive. I didn't have good relationships with any of my teachers in junior high. So all of that information gets passed over to high school teachers, right? But he, he actually apologized and he said that he was sorry for not seeing my side of the story and not giving me the chance. And he had a stern talking with this other girl and kept us separated for the rest of the divisionals that we had to do. I ended up not going further. I think I got a bronze in divisional or placed fourth or something like that. I don't think this person even placed at all. So of course it gave me the upper hand because I was, I not only had my teacher on my side finally, but I also threw better than she did. And like, I don't have a throwing arm. I've never practiced any of that, but it's like shot puts a weighted ball. So like, I already have a bit of strength behind me just naturally. So it was kind of cool that I managed to get that that little mini accomplishment, so to speak, but it was like, it took until high school to get this validation that, hey, I'm not actually the asshole in this situation. It's just that I was the louder one and I was the one that pushed back and I got really aggressive because I was at my wit's end already. Mm-hmm. And like, if you think back on that, like how much, cord- what, my, what, my cord- what were my cortisol levels right through from junior high, like even when I was younger. So that would also add on a layer of why I was always chubby because you can't lose weight if your cortisol levels are on all the time. Cortisol Mm -hmm. makes you store fat. It doesn't because it's in fight or flight. You can't lose weight if your cortisol levels are maxed out. It's impossible. So like just add to the layers of the trauma of which I've experienced, which I'm trying to uncover, you know, and like heal from. It's interesting how like you don't even realize that like literally every single layer of your body speaks about your life experience and what you are projecting physically in the world are direct indicators of your life and your Akashics. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty, I would say it's pretty wild. Like how many people just think that their aches and pains are just that aches and pains. Right. But you know, knowing the information that we do and knowing that like everything that we experience in our body, maybe not so much acute pain, but definitely the chronic stuff, right? Like acute kind of has its own, its own purpose. Like, obviously if you have something going on in your gallbladder and you have a gallbladder attack, like probably there's an issue with the gallbladder and we should maybe look into that, but obviously you want to deal with the attack first, right? It's the Mm -hmm. same thing. Like, you know, if you, um, if you have a headache, yeah, it might be a little bit of an acute pain, but there's usually more of an issue behind it. Right. Um, mm-hmm. so it's just, it's really interesting how much the body actually tells us, but we have gotten to the point where we, like we said, we've either dumbed it down or, or like deafened it out. So yeah. we don't listen to it. Right. Mm-hmm. How many times do, you know, you get a headache and then you reach for the, the Advil or the Tylenol, right. Or, um, you know, like your back hurts. So you're going to reach for like Robaxaset or something like that. And then we like quiet those, those pains and like centers. And then what happens is if the body wants to tell you that it's in pain or that it's hurting or whatever, it needs your attention. It's going to amplify that, which is just fascinating. And I'd like to say like, I think when it comes to allopathic medicine, I feel like mental health has gotten a little bit better at recognizing the mind and body component of things because I'm like, to me being in the mental health field, like it wasn't abnormal for me to talk to someone about how your mental health can affect your physical health. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like there's lots and lots of information and like firsthand accounts from people who are saying, you know, I'm feeling really depressed and my body just aches or vice versa, right? Their body aches and then they're, fe- they're feeling more depressed or yeah. like I'm feeling anxious and therefore my chest feels like it's going to explode, right? Like we've recognized those are um, like, co- like related in some ways. And even with like things like um, somatic pain or like fibromyalgia, we've started to realize that people who have severe traumas Mm -hmm. often have these 
like undescribable pains that we can't figure out the, the reason behind, right? Like the fibro or even somatic pains where they're like, my stomach really hurts, but I don't know why. And nothing like you can't find anything medically wrong with them. Mm-hmm. So I feel like in the mental health world, it's not much of a stretch for us to say, you know what, there's probably an emotion being stored in your body or I mean, I, I can't see myself being like, there's an Akashic record we need to clear here, but we've definitely talked about how the emotions can impact the physical. Mm -hmm. So I think that's going to be coming soon, maybe not soon, but it's coming in the mental health field. I think it'll take a lot longer to make it into meta, like the actual more physical health stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot of people still think that mental health is kind of woo-woo in <laughs> in its own way, right? You know, I think actually, historically speaking, mental health has always been like really highly stigmatized and hidden because if you think about back in history, like, I mean, I'm flashing uh, the hunchback of Notre Dame, for example, like if somebody was born with a de- deformity of some kind of the physical body, or they just didn't necessarily fit well, which we would call maybe now Asperger's or something or, or, or autism of some kind. Mm-hmm. But, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, if you didn't have a quote unquote normal, whatever the fuck normal actually means, um, child, you kind of kept them hidden. You didn't let the rest of the world know. You didn't let the community know. And you kind of just dealt with whatever you had to deal with behind closed doors and yet it's 2022 and we're still doing that we still have high stigma around mental health and the amount of narcissistic abuse that is out there right now like on a collectively global level from our leaders down the pipe in every single system that we have going on right now I almost wonder if the current young generation that's going through the pandemic like the rest of us and that are struggling, especially our like elementary school age children, mm-hmm. are they going to be the catalyst generation that says, hey, we need to fucking take mental health seriously yeah. because you guys fucked us up. And now we're, we're the generation that's going to fix it because you didn't know how you didn't have the tools and you wouldn't acknowledge it, mm-hmm. you know, because I really see, um, I just, if that doesn't shift are we just going to end up seeing a bad or a mass exit of souls again, because it's becoming to be way overwhelming and way too much. And I don't think it's necessarily that generation's burden to bear anymore. And I mean, I, I am a full believer in we've chosen to be here for this reason at this time, all of us, whatever your purpose is, whatever, there are people here that have chosen to be that side of the polarity that is very nefarious and very negative right now and very narcissistic and abusive, but there's also the light workers, the star seeds, the, like just the good, decent human beings on planet earth that are here to say, even if it's quietly right now, like, Hey, this isn't right. We mm-hmm. need to make some changes, but I really wonder why these changes require. And even like the macro to the micro here, like why does it require humanity be humanity to be screaming so loud before we're actually heard? And the micro being, why does it require our body to be screaming so loudly before we pay the fuck attention to something that's going on? And I'm not saying that I want to amplify all the pain in my body so I can clear it because like one thing at a time here, but right. Like, <laughs> you know, like, I don't want to test my pain tolerance. Thank you very much. I know I can handle sitting through a tattoo, but I've never birthed a child. So I, I don't, I really can't compare yet. You know, I did. it wasn't that big of a deal, but I mean, I might just be an abnormal human and maybe I checked out for a little while. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> See, but the body has that beautiful ability to do that also, right? Like we don't give our human enough credit. And I really feel like the way that Western medicine has been dare I say hijacked right that we've we're leaving so much behind and we're not acknowledging the beauty of what this body is actually capable of it produces its own chemicals it produces the the things that you need to minimize your pain Mm -hmm. or to amplify your pain or amplify your comfort like it knows but we need to get the f out of our own way and we're not doing that. We're just numbing it down with shitty foods and numbing it down with medications. Like I know when I was struggling with my fibroid pains, 
that I spent almost a year. This is the worst thing ever. I do not recommend. Please get yourself checked out first. But I can tell you right now, I was popping pills like fucking candy for a year. I was going between Robax and Advil to mm-hmm. just to manage the pain to get through my work day, which is when I was working two jobs as well. So like, and then going home and then the constant shedding of the uterine lining where, which was not in, in like in cycle at all. It was literally almost constant. I think there was maybe two or three days out of the month in my cycle where I wasn't showing some kind of shedding that after a while becomes traumatizing too, because then your iron depletion is low, your energy is low and you don't know what, when the end is going to be. And that wasn't just a physical issue. There was also a lot of energetic clearing that I had to do to get them to stop being so intense but the shitty part is that you can also reinstall what you've cleared energetically yeah and so I'm working on that layer now because thankfully it's not as painful or as excruciating as or as detrimental like I'm not like I'm not low on iron or anything like that but I'm definitely not 100% in that area and I find it also super fascinating the concept of phantom pains because I'm in in like in my lower abdomen area obviously I have a chubby belly so there's a lot of fat cells in that area and I find it really fascinating to me that those fat cells are actually holding the pain imprint of what used to be the fibroids that were there because I have actually healed some of the fibroids but they've built back up in other places and it's almost like a projector of the pain through those fat cells because they're holding the cell memory so I haven't quite figured out how to unlock and clear away all that cell memory just yet but um that is on my list of things to help and as I'm talking about it they're actually pinging me so I must have I probably could track and put that a little bit later today which they got stuff to say but it's it's just it's interesting to me how and I've also had the awareness that like fat cells themselves can amplify and fat cells do hear, uh, carry a lot of emotion. Mm-hmm. One, of, one of the first shamanic trainings or teachings that I ever learned was when I was in a healing with, a, um, he used to own a, a store, like a metaphysical store here, but he also had shamanic healings, which is kind of cool. And he was the one that had said to me that, it's like, you ever notice a man that has a, like a, what we call a beer belly, like that big puffy belly. He's like, it's not, it's not the beer. It's like, it's men that don't understand how to, to work with their emotions and transmute their emotions and release them. But so they carry it around the abdomen. And I was like, well, that's really cool. And that was like my first indication of like, wait a second, the body stores everything as Mm -hmm. information. Yeah. But then if that's the case, then why are humans so willing to hang on to their pain? Like a badge of honor. And like, sometimes they almost turn their illness into their identity. Mm Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that's because we've moved away from the knowledge of we're like, not that we have to be here for only one life, but like, Mm. I think some of us have lost track of that. And like, like you said, we become maybe not addicted to the story. That's what I would say, but we, we become that story, right? This happened to me. So therefore it's my cross to bear. Yeah. Um, you know, and like whatever else. Right. And I think like, there's, there's something that's pinging me about the idea of only having one life, like YOLO type of thing. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's this like belief, right. For most humans that we're only here for one lifetime. So we have to make it count. And so that's maybe why we live and like, hold on to everything. It's like, I, I don't know how to let go of this. So I'm just going to store it with me and take it with me. And then it's like, they come back in the next life and they're like, oh, I wonder why this is happening to me. What is this going on here? It's like, oh, wait, that's from that lifetime that this and this and this happened. <laughs> you know, like, I wonder what the value in, like, I'm kind of just curious here because I don't know the answers to this question, but did our ancestors have memory of their past lives or like, because I understand like that there's that like theory or belief that like when you come here to be human, part of that is to forget. But if we've been stuck in an Akashic loop for so freaking long, at some point your soul's going to be like, what the fuck, man? Like, you know, because I feel like that's what a lot of us are doing right now. Any of us that are in that, that group of healing and choosing our healing, like I think we're realizing like this is a what the fuck moment and mm-hmm. it's an opportunity for us to clear and collapse those records and those experiences so that our soul doesn't have to play them out anymore and doesn't have to carry the pain of that anymore. But I, I would like really, 
will need to get better at traveling back in time through meditation so that I can maybe ask these questions to the ancestors that show up or whatever mm-hmm. collectives want to show up because like if we were actually born human knowing all of our aspects of self out there in the world like I feel like that could make life a lot easier and not so much like a chore imagine how incredible that would be right like knowing all of the lives like knowing all of the information for every life that you lived whether that was like being you know someone on Sirius or or um you know, like having past lives as a human or even telluric beings, like that would be so fascinating. But then I wonder too, if maybe you would have this sense, I think it would depend on the person, but like, I wonder if you'd have that sense of like, but this isn't all that I am. Mm. And you feel limited. You know what I mean? Like humans aren't, I don't want to say we're not magical because I think we are, we're very, we're miraculous, honestly. I marvel over the craziest things. Like this is going to sound really weird, but I was driving to work one day, um, not too long ago. And I saw just some fellow walking down the street and I was like, I think it was right after we had like an anatomy, um, decodes class or whatever. And I was like, you know how amazing that is your brain sends signals through your body to your feet to tell them how specifically they need to move. So you can steps which then register and come back up to the brain to tell you where you are in space I'm like that's amazing (laughs) and it's automatic it happens automatically we don't have any conscious awareness of it right like we don't breathing um but yeah like like I mean not that I know all of the collectives out there but imagine you know being able to to you know do something that we would consider magic as a human concept like moving things with your mind or, you know, starting fire, I don't know, whatever cool abilities you would have as a, like a galactic collective and not being able to do that in this, in this human body, would you feel trapped or would you feel like, no, that's okay. Cause this is my experience in this lifetime. That's an interesting perspective. That sounds like it would be really fun to dive into for sure. Um, side note, I would totally love to like shoot fire flames out of my fingertips. That'd be kind of cool. I'm sure it's um, happened. <laughs> without, without being burned, but, uh, you know, um, yeah. And like, and what is the connection between like our telluric selves versus, cause I do have a, a fairy timeline as well. Um, that like, that sounds like it would be a lot of fun. And I have a connection to the Sasquatch in an interesting way. I'm, I haven't tracked enough into it, but I often joke that my lineage is from there just based on the qual- the level of like body hair that my family has now. It's like a running <laughs> funny joke that we're all a bunch of, just a bunch of Bigfoots pretending to be human, but like in jest, like really in jest. But then yet I feel like they're misunderstood. And I was like looking, you know, scrolling on Facebook and I'm in this folklore group and they're posting pictures of these different beings. And I'm like, my instant reaction when I saw this picture of a Yeti, it was a blonde Yeti. It was white, so like white hair. And of course the face is scary. And then like, okay, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the Yeti in that cartoon is also scary and angry. And I just kind of thought, what a disservice we are doing as humans to paint these creatures as harmful and scary beings when we don't even fucking know if that's their true nature. Right. Because the majority of humans don't take the time or the patience to sit and tap in energetically and ask, hey, I'm 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 so and so like can we connect telepathically because literally that's how psychics work so if I can connect to my friend across the across the river without actually speaking to her in person why can't I also do that with a being that we know is there but we can't necessarily see in the 3d mm-hmm. you know and I think that's the magic that's missing and I wonder if humans have also gotten a bit hijacked away from where emotions have become a punishment when they should have become a celebration. Like we've chosen to come here to feel emotion because not every collective out there is able, able or capable or even willing or desiring to experience the range of emotions that humans can experience. And I think that's part of the human experience to be able to have that, have an understanding of these emotions because they don't exist in other places in the, in, in the planetary systems. And it's interesting to me that 
the current tone of mythological beings and folklore and all of that is always to paint them as bad creatures. Like, I'm not going to go make friends with a windy boy, but I almost feel like maybe they're slightly misunderstood in a way. And an, an aspect of stupid me is like, I just want to make friends with them and like make them not hate the world and not eat other humans. Like, you know, like, but that's just my inherent, like wanting to see the good in everything and not necessarily accepting that everyone is fully nefarious and evil and all of that. Like, I feel like no matter how shitty of a person, a person can be in human form, we can always find a good trait. So why can we not also do the same thing with the collectives that are out there that are, you know, we may not like what we see, but there's gotta be a purpose and a value to it. Well, and I was going to say too, like challenge accepted. I want to do <laughs> like, because what power do they have over you? Right. We're all sovereign beings. And it's like yeah. the same thing as if like, you know, when you're sitting in your room and you wake up, well, okay, you're not sitting in your room. Say you wake up from a dead sleep and you're like, there's something in my room. And then you panic and you're like, oh my God, it's going to hurt me. Yeah. That thing has power over you now because you think it's going to hurt you, but it's because yeah. you think it's going to hurt you versus it actually wanting to intend some of them want to just play with you and whatever, like in not a friendly way. Right. But, it's fun for them. Right. But like, if you actually just like tapped in and you're like, um, I see you F off, please. Yeah. Um, like get out of my field. Nine, I would say probably nine times, 9.5 times out of the 10, they'll probably leave, you know? Yeah. And if you don't leave, then maybe it's something like, do you have a contract with them? right? Is there some sort of agreement that's keeping them connected to you? And how, like, how does that play out? Right. Because I mean, not that I've had anything nefarious come into my house for a very, very long time, but sometimes you're out in a, like at work, right? Because I work with a lot of people who, you know, struggle with mental health. Uh, Most commonly, I'm going to say depression and anxiety. A lot of times they come in with various attachments and then I get to be the psychic sponge that just goes, all right, dudes are actually more of like the psychic bouncer. And I go, you know what? I see you get out. Like you no longer belong here. You know, we don't need you here. You can, if you're attached to this person, you have a contract and whatever, cool, but you wait outside the door. Like you're not allowed into this building. Yeah. Um, And it's actually, you know what? I never realized it. I just realized it now. I've probably gridded that building with my own energy and I never like, like I've never thought of it that way because nothing we, okay. Lots of random things happen with clients when I'm there, but like, it's never creepy or weird. Mm -hmm. And yet then like, I'll hear people talk about like, Oh, like the ghost stories. Cause we always talk ghost stories on night shifts and I'm just amazing. Well, what else do you talk about on a night shift? Obviously. Right. Oh man, I've, I could tell you stories about how I've made some crisis workers cry because, <laughs> because I've, I was, okay. I have to divert our conversation here for a second. Cause it's hilarious. So there was a crisis worker who used to, she was um, a healthcare aide at the hospital and she wanted to work in mental health. So she came over and she started working. This was after her orientation. It was her first night shift. And so she was like, oh, like I've heard from a couple of clients and some of the the other staff that like there's ghosts in this place. I'm like, oh, that's really interesting. And so I'm like sharing with her that like, yeah, before, like, I'm going to say before I was really into the woo, like, yeah, there would be some times where you'd like be upstairs by yourself or you'd be in the basement, which is where our staff room is and our bathroom and stuff like that. And especially on nights you would find, um, like you would experience some weird feelings. Like you might experience like a sense of like being watched or being followed. Mm-hmm. And like, it would freak me out. Like, you know, when you're in a basement and then you like get that sense and you want to run up the stairs. I did that every time I went to the bathroom on a night shift because it was freaking <laughs> creepy. And so I was telling her of like, you know, how sometimes there's clients who come in here and, and I would say a good portion of the time, it's going to be a client who is of um, indigenous descent, who's coming to me in the morning and saying, Hey, were you guys calling my name last night? And after we would all say like, no, one's going to call your name in the middle of the night. They go, Oh, really interesting. There was a, like a female who was in my room calling my name last night. And like, so I'm telling her these stories. And then like one client I now granted, I believe this person had a diagnosis of schizophrenia. So 
in the mainstream mental, like mental health world, if a client's saying that they've seen a little girl in their room, like at night, you're going to knock it off as like, oh, well, you were clearly hallucinating. Yeah. Whereas I know this person and I'm like, that's really fascinating. You've never seen a little girl before, have you? And they go, no. I'm like, huh. And then I, te- like, before I could tap into the, like the building and the energy itself, but I had heard other clients mention that they see a little girl in this specific bedroom. I'm like, fascinating. So anyways, I'm telling her all these stories, right? And like, the way our office is set up. So we have like, it's a little, little rectangle room with a door in the, in like over in this corner. I usually sit here like, like to my back or my back's to the wall and I can't see out the door because I'm usually facing the window. Mm-hmm. And then the crisis worker was sitting in front of me, but she has a good shot uh, eyesight out the door. And I'm telling her these stories about like, oh, people hearing voices and, and seeing things and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I find it really, really laughable. It's hilarious. And like, I don't know what it is that I said, but she just like went, like she, her eyes got really big. She got horrified. She paled, which was like the coolest. Like, it was so cool watching it happen. It was like the blood just drained out of her face. Like they do in cartoons. I was like, like, you saw something, didn't you? And she's like, yeah. And she literally saw a shadow come down the stairs, but like, not enough for her to be like, it was a shadow, but like enough for her to be like, I just saw something and I don't quite know what it was. And so I'm like, oh, that's really interesting. But she absolutely terrified, instant flight response. She was like, nope, I'm horrified. She's tearing, like tears streaming down her face. She's absolutely terrified. And then I go, okay, now you've scared my person. I mean, granted, it was partially me because I was probably opening portals talking about it, Um, you know, but when things like that happen, when say like darker, nefarious things, energies start to happen around me, I jump into a different level of being. I don't know how to describe it. And I go into more of this like you can't fucking touch me. I am too light and powerful for you. And you need to back away. Now I actually saying that back to myself, I'm like, oh, I know exactly what aspects I, <laughs> what I'm trying, like I'm um, channeling at that point. Yeah. Um, but I went and I stood in that door frame and I stood there with my arms crossed. I had my legs in like a power stance. And I was like, I don't care who the fuck you think you are. You need to get the hell out of my unit because this is unacceptable. Amazing. And, and I was telling her too, I think I was probably around the same part where I'm like, yeah, I don't know. For some odd reason, they can't come into the office. Like I've heard footsteps come up behind me and I'm sitting with my back to the door because I'm charting or whatever. And I'll hear something come up behind me and I'll, I'll turn to look and there's no one there. And she, like, she was just horrified that like, I'm experiencing these things. And I'm like, I don't know why. I don't think the office that we work in is, um, I don't think it's a, like an actual part of the building, like the, the actual house. I think it, like, it's a definitely an addition because you can tell the outer, the, the inner wall separating between the house and the office is freaking cold, man. Oh, yeah. I can, I could put my lunch against it and it would be frozen in this weather. It's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, so for some, whatever reason, whatever energy is in the house can't come into the office. So I just told her like, hang out in the office. It'll be fine. You know, and if you have to go to the bathroom, we'll go downstairs together. I together. guess. Oh, that's I have not seen her since she came on, like she fell off the casual list so fast. <laughs> <laughs> oh my bless her. But or maybe I not. I'll recall that projection. Let her, let her deal with her own ish that's just me trying to be sweet but that's funny I know and it it was kind of funny because she started it by telling me ghost stories about the hospital and I'm like oh this is really fascinating you want to talk ghost stories and then I'm telling her about ghost stories and then I she saw something and got horrified and has not been back this was like (laughs) this is probably like five or six years ago too so that's so funny Yeah, seeing ghosts don't freak me out as much as they used to, that is for sure. But I really wish when I was teaching in a classroom space, I had this awareness and this knowledge because I would have flipped that classroom upside down and actually taken control of what was happening. But when I tap in and think about the nonsense that I was dealing with, 
um, and how kids can open portals without even their own awareness of. And also the fact that kids will bring along their siblings, whether they have been like their, um, their soul siblings. So like if the parents have called in like three brothers and sisters, but they've only birthed one so far, like those entities will hang around the sibling until they're ready to jump into the family line as well. So to have that extra level of like, you know, energetic fuckery, so to speak, but then also, you know, uh, certain gaming, being around certain gaming um, and having parents that like we know for a fact would be up till midnight and these young children would be sitting beside the parent while they're doing this gaming of like very violent, not necessarily age appropriate experiences and then the kind of energy and entities that that come through those games and like I can honestly say in my teenage years some of the shows that we chose to watch like without realizing having the awareness that you can like grade your television and all of that and like I would argue that a lot of stuff is programmed so that you become susceptible to entity interference because of the shows that you're watching and I can very distinctly remember watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer And there is an episode where she has this weird spider being, spider beetle, something like that, attack, attack her in her, I don't know what room she was in, but it was on the ceiling. And then I hadn't watched it for a while, um, but I had an experience where I woke up and realized that this same entity was on the ceiling of my bedroom and I physically felt being tossed around my bed by it but it was an astral projection like my body didn't move because I was in sleep paralysis but my soul felt me getting tossed around by this being and I didn't know how to deal with it at the time now fast forward to as I believe last year I had another interesting sleep paralysis psychic attack happen and my default now right away like my brain is saying it before I even know I'm aware that I'm in that mode my body's like fuck you get the hell out of my space back off like and I'm setting up my energetic boundaries right away before I have that conscious awareness. Like I've woken up to hearing myself swearing at whatever the hell's in my room. <laughs> I've since gritted my room, but like, it's just an interesting thing to, to have that awareness of, again, you're bringing the body along and then, okay, well, like, did I contract this? Is there some kind of resonance field that I open myself up to, you know, does it have something to do with the food I was consuming or when it, or was it because I was drinking alcohol at the time, like back in the day when I used to drink? Mm -hmm. and or was it when I was like using cannabis or whatnot like sometimes we think we're doing things to help ourselves but it's actually causing harm or it's opening the doors for other things to step forward that you don't necessarily want to or nor know how to deal with you know and it sometimes it took me a little while to recover from that experience when I was a teenager because I already had enough struggles with nightmares from like dying in fire and not realizing that I was replaying an Akashic you know, and then as a small child, the movie Backdraft was popular and the trailer commercial was traumatizing enough for me as a small kid. And then to be falling asleep on the couch often as a small child with whatever my parents are watching on TV, like not ideal because mm-hmm. you like, if they're watching like an adult show, although most of it was like mash and cheers and like cheesy sitcoms and whatnot, but sometimes there are different commercials that are played, you know, and like you get an upcoming movie commercial coming up, like example for like backdraft for sure. And your, your kid's like half awake and they're absorbing that information, the sound effects that, that, that does affect you. So like, I'm an advocate for playing like classical music for children when they're sleeping or white noise background, that kind of thing. Um, because I think it does kind of affect the brain a little bit. And then it makes you kind of wonder like what's happening with those of us that sleep with our cell phones beside our bed that aren't in airplane mode. Yeah, that's true. Things to think about and ponder for another day. <laughs> Put on that rabbit hole of, of the, the, the potential threat of AI, although I don't know that it's all as threatening as we're making it out to be, but. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Topics for another day. <laughs> yeah. Write them down so we remember. <laughs> so then the next time we're like, what are we talking about on the podcast? I don't know. Just scenes from a hat style (laughs) yeah you know we should do that one day scenes from a hat and then our listeners can send us messages on our social channels about what they want us to talk about and we'll Mm -hmm. add those to the scenes from a hat (laughs) sounds like a fun time 
Um, but yeah, I think maybe we should wrap it up there just before we get down another tangent and then ramble on for another half an hour. (laughs) Down with that. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, any closing remarks from you today? Um, stay warm folks. It's freezing where we are. Saying to all of you that are in beach weather because I'm a little jealous. Although I actually do enjoy weather, but I have not been outside at all today yet. And I don't think I'm going to because I have no desire to experience minus 40 wind chill. I'm just going to look at it from my front window. <laughs> yeah, I think between like 7 and 8 a.m. It's going to be minus 46 with the wind. Oh, fun. I know. I'm like, I'm glad I don't work a day shift tomorrow. <laughs> But yeah, it's going to be really, really cold. Great. Although we're supposed to get more snow on the weekend, so it'll get warmer for a day or two. No, I, yeah, I was going to say, I think tomorrow or Saturday is supposed to be nice. And then, and then yeah, it warms up a little bit, snows, and then gets colder again. But that's fine. Whatever. It is what it is, I guess. I have nothing else to say. Been living here for 40 years, it's not going to make a difference. Although I am manifesting a lifestyle of warmer winters, like, I actually don't know that I could live in a place that isn't four seasons. Mm-hmm. I think I would miss the change of the seasons, but I would like milder winter. So I'm, I'm looking to like coastal. That would be nice. Yeah. Mountain. I, I can deal with heavy snow as long as it's not minus 50. God. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I suppose. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in and listening to this episode of Enter the Vortex. I think this was a pretty, pretty fun, like rabbit holey type of episode, which is good. Um, Only the unplanned ones, they seem to flow better and we, I don't know, it just, it is more fun. Whenever we try to plan something, it's like, it's just not, I mean, we can still, I mean, I can talk about anything forever, but that's because it's come Palladian. (laughs) Palladians have an opinion on everything. That's, that's my strongest aspect of self so but uh it is more fun to just go with the flow of the energy of things and see what comes mm-hmm. up because that's just how i am <laughs> yeah yeah fair enough um so if you guys had any questions or comments or i don't know ideas for topics for our next episode um find us at our instagram and on facebook at enter the vortex podcast um yeah, you can find me on my social channels at Heal with Erin Mindy, as well as my website, so erinmindy.ca and Carol. And you can find me at Elevate with Carol Sky on Instagram and Facebook, and or my website is Carol, just carolsky.ca, www.carolsky.ca. Awesome. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thank you. Tune in next week for another episode. Bye. Bye.